The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Oh, 
That was the latest piece of music on a new album, Sing an Irish Christmas by Keith Getty. I love his music. I love Irish music. But I love music that has content, not sentimental schlock, something that means something that stands on the solid doctrine of Jesus Christ, born of a virgin. Jesus is our Lord. Jesus is our Savior. And we praise his name. We glorify his name. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. Yesterday, for the broadcast, I spoke about what happens when we die. And just a quick review. We spoke about that coming hour, that coming moment, that will absolutely fix our character and our experience forever. A crisis moment in time when we will be who we are for eternity. This world is full of change. Nature's changing with its seasons. Friends come and go. Geographic locations change through our lifetime. Change takes place with every breath we draw. Yet we're going to go right out of all of this change. And soon, we're going to be unchangeable. Whether our desires and affections will be fixed on heaven or hell. If God would write this on our hearts, we would have to seriously consider the reality that we will die. God makes provision for this change through his spirit, by his word, by his angels. But there are also demons who are determined to destroy us. Everything is provided by God for this change. So the gospel right now is at work in your heart and in your life. Evil spirits are likewise at work in your life and in your heart. The tempter is always there. He will always be there until we cross over that Jordan River. Once we have crossed over into death, our state will never again change. It will freeze as it is for all eternity. We will be as we are. No tempting devil can attack the saved after death. No seducing spirit can come to our mind or our heart. The soul has been washed in the blood of Jesus. It will never again backslide. There is never the possibility of it. Jesus says, Be thou faithful unto death. You needn't mind anything after that. The God Almighty of heaven will take care of you that you will never again backslide in all of eternity. 
all of us are going very rapidly to that time when our souls will be crystallized forever. Death does not make a man better or worse. We think when we see sinners that death has made a mark on them. It hasn't. It has simply put them in prison. They are just as they were five minutes before they died. Death sends no one to hell. Death does not sanctify you. It does not make you holy. Death simply puts God's lock and key on us. That is all that happens. When a warden locks a prisoner in a cell, he is simply locking him in until the time of his judgment before the judge. Death simply fixes the color of our soul for eternity. Every day we're changing the color of our soul. But when we die, it is fixed forever. The only thing that can happen after you die is for that to become even more intense, that which is. It will not be new. So he who is unjust will remain unjust. He who is filthy will remain filthy. Don't trust that when you die, you suddenly will be released from your sin. You will not be. If you die a sinner, you will go to hell, and no grace of Jesus will cover you. That must be done now while you are alive, and allow that grace to teach you to say no to ungodliness. You must be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that today. He who is righteous when he dies will remain righteous. The reason we don't understand salvation very well is we don't understand sin. Adam and Eve, one sin, and it collapsed the world. It's that serious. Now, you can blow it off. You can be filling your time with all of the entertainment, the redskins and this and that and this and that. Let me tell you, you need every second you have awake to prepare for the great day of judgment. On that day, you will see how your soul is fixed. And you will go to heaven or hell. Now, the rich man and Lazarus teach us the lesson that the prison the righteous go to is different than the prison the unrighteous go to. The righteous go to a place of peace and joy. The righteous go to a place of holding in their spirits until they receive their new bodies. Now, some have received already that new body. Jesus has chosen Moses and others, and he's given them already the glorified body that Jesus has. But for most of us, we will go to that holding place in Abraham's bosom. And there, we will dwell in joy and bliss and happiness, praising our Savior, worshiping our Lord. 
But if you go the other direction, you will enter into the abyss of darkness and you will be held in that abyss of darkness like the rich man in Lazarus was. And you will be in torture and pain. You carry already in your heart the seeds of bliss or the torture of hell. You will decide yourself which way you will go by how you act. We are saved by faith, but we are judged by actions. This is not just about, oh, I'll get more rewards if I do certain things right. No, that's legalism. It's not taught in the word of God. So my question is, what happens if you live? Very serious question. Right now, all of you listening are alive. So what happens? Well, let's go to the scripture. And then we're going to go to John Bunyan in Pilgrim's Progress. And that famous allegory that he wrote back in the 1600s. Matthew the 16th chapter, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. So if you're going to live, and you're going to follow Jesus, This is not a sentimental journey. It's a journey to the cross. Jesus was on his way to the cross when he said this. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? You forfeit your soul, and you are fixed in that dark, evil place of hell until the day of judgment. If you do not deny yourself and take up your cross... That means turning off the world, the flesh, and the devil. It means you stop the gambling. It means you stop walking in the flesh with lust and fornication. You stop lying. You do what is right. And you do that by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit by the blood of Jesus who transforms you into a new creature. You do not do it by hard work and effort. You don't do it by self-improvement. You don't do it a little bit at a time. You must come to the foot of the cross. You must go through that cross and walk joyously on the pilgrim journey that John Bunyan's Christian took. What can a man give in exchange for his soul? Is your soul for sale today? Are you selling it to the devil by walking casually before God? Are you walking in the fullness of your deceit as a sinning Christian? You're not a Christian if you're sinning. The scriptures are clear. If you're still smoking your stogies and you're still getting drunk, 
and you're still fornicating, and you're still gambling, and you're still doing all the things the flesh does, if you're still going to the clubs, you're selling your soul to the devil. And the day will come when he will take you. And no profession of being under the grace of Jesus will save you. Verse 27, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and he will reward each person according to what he has done. How's he going to reward them? By bringing them into the heavenlies, into that place of bliss and joy with him. I tell you the truth. Some are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his glory. This was just before the transfiguration when they saw Jesus dressed in the glory of heaven. And Moses and Elijah talking with him. They got to see the glorious beauty of the other side. And they were struck Now, there's another passage we need to look at quickly. And that's found in the book of Luke. Luke, the 14th chapter, I'll begin reading with verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and is not indifferent to or hate his father and his mother, his wife and his children, his brothers and his sisters, yes, even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. In other words, we must leave everyone behind for Jesus Christ. And if they choose to come and go with us, that is wonderful. But if they don't, we know they will be lost. And it breaks our heart. But we must follow Jesus. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation is not able to finish it, everyone who sees will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build. He was not able to finish. You see, you can't just come to the church, come forward and say a little sinner's prayer and start to build your tower and then not finish it by entering in to a pure heart, clean and washed by the blood of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit. Or you will be ridiculed by the world. And frankly, the world is ridiculing the American church today because we're not able to finish Worldliness has come into the church. Shallow music that is teaching us to be sentimental, to feel good, but not to do the hard work of repentance, of confession of sin, of turning from it. This is what is required. Oh, and I talk with Christians and they say, oh, I'm fine. How are they fine? Well, they're fine because they believe the lie that when they die, they'll be made righteous. But there's nowhere in the scriptures that it teaches that, even though lying preachers say that. No, you have to be righteous here, walking without sin, by the power of the blood of Jesus, transformed, no longer, no longer walking in the world. 
But following Jesus, we are called to be a pilgrim people. The first thing that happens when we come to Jesus is we join his pilgrim band. Suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not sit down and consider what he's able to do with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If not, he's... He's not able. He will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. You have to give up everything you have if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus. It means you have to give up your pride. You have to give up your anger. You have to give up your bitterness. You have to you have to give up your greed. It means you have to stop robbing from other people. You have to stop demanding your rights. You have to die. Can you afford to follow Jesus? Let me read another scripture for you. It's found over here. The book of Hebrews. I want to read this. Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Let me turn to it quickly. Here it is. Hebrews, the 11th chapter, I'll begin in verse 24. By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. Moses had every advantage. He was in line to be the next Pharaoh. He was incredibly wealthy. This was the most sophisticated nation in the world. And here he is in position. He turned his back on it. Verse 26, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Now, I want to read a little more for you. Verse 35, women receive back their dead, raised to life again. This is Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verse 35. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. In Rome under Nero, he lit his entertainment by tying Christians to poles, pouring tar, hot tar, and pitch over them 
and then lighting them on fire. And as they burned, they gave light to his wicked entertainment. He took Christians and wrapped them in the skins of animals and put them in the middle of the arena and set wild animals on them to tear them to bits and eat them alive. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. You know the story of the Apostle Peter and his wife. His wife traveled with him. They were sentenced to die by crucifixion by Rome. His wife was put on the cross first. And as she was being crucified, he was speaking words of encouragement to her. Be brave. Our reward is in heaven with Jesus. They crucified Peter beside his wife, upside down. They faced jeers and shame as they were crucified bare naked. And they died that horrible death. Now let me be very straight with you. To be a Christian is not a pleasant deal on this earth. If you're looking for an easy ride, the Christian ride is not the one you want. Oh, you can go to the Christian church, the worldly Christian church today, and you can have wonderful fellowship, and you can go to their parties, and you can participate in their rituals, and you can confess your sins. Oh, yes. I repent of my sins that I've committed this week. And you can take the Eucharist and the communion, and the priest can stand in front of you, the, the bishop, and he can break the bread in front of you. He can pass it out to you. That's not what it's about. To be a Christian is to be persecuted, to be jeered and to be shamed, and perhaps to be tortured and die. It's happening in countries all over this world. Saudi Arabia beheading Christians. Iraq, Afghanistan, Nigeria, Vietnam, Indonesia. Precious brothers and sisters, boys and girls, being forced to choose, will you serve your Jesus and die, or will you convert to Islam and live? And people are making their choices. By God's grace, many are saying, we will serve Jesus, and they are being tortured and killed in the most ugly and horrendous ways, being put in iron ovens and put over the fire and baked until dead, burned, gasoline poured over them, beheadings. I don't mean to be cruel, but I mean to cause you to know. It means something to say, I'm a Christian. 
I'm tired of this shallow, emotional, sentimental garbage America calls the church. The church has to repent and get serious with Jesus and make a decision about pouring out your life for the gospel. People say, oh, pastor, I can't afford to support the radio broadcast. I don't have enough for me. Are you kidding me? Are you willing to suffer for the sake of the cross of Jesus? I want to tell you something. I am destitute in this world's goods. I have nothing left. I have poured it all out. I am following Jesus. I'm being scorned. I'm being shamed. I'm being laughed at. I've lost friends and even family. I know what it's like to suffer for the cross of Jesus. And I praise God for it. Because I see down the road, I see heaven. I know this broadcast needs to be on the FM dial. It needs to be national. It needs to be confronting this city and this nation. I know that no other broadcast in this city is speaking like I'm speaking to you. But you're all caught up with hating President Trump and gossiping about it. As one dear Christian said to me, I don't want to talk to my church family anymore because all they'll talk about is how much they hate Donald Trump. Oh, you poor, poor, pathetic people. I feel so sorry for you. Donald Trump is not your savior, nor is he your devil. There's a real devil and there's a real savior and you need to get right with Jesus and let go of your bitterness and your anger and your gossip. Get real with Jesus. I know this broadcast needs to be on the air, but I know it costs money. But I know it's going to mean you have to sacrifice because you listen to this broadcast. Hundreds, thousands of you listen to this broadcast. And yet only a small handful of people sacrifice anything to put us on radio. I'm already crying out to God about how to pay December's radio bill. I shouldn't have to spend my time crying out to God about how to pay it. The money should be in the bank by faithful Christians who want this stern, unvarnished word of the gospel to go out in power over this city. Shame on you if you don't participate and share in the work of the gospel. I tell you what, I love some of my brothers and sisters. I could name you who have been so faithful and sacrificing for the work of the gospel. Has it cost me food to support the gospel? Yes. I'll be very honest with you. Have I not purchased some clothing that I need? That's right. Do I live without things? Yes. Why? 
Don't you have the money, Pastor? Can't you get the... Of course. It's the work of the gospel. This radio broadcast cost me everything. And then at the end of every month, I have to come and do an offertory and plead and plead and maybe a... Maybe we can reach the goal. That should not be happening. If you'd get real with the journey with Jesus, it would not happen. It tells me what a poor condition some of you are in spiritually. We're in 129 different countries with this broadcast. Ireland, Beijing, all over nations all over this world... Precious believers who are in difficult times are downloading and listening to this broadcast. Some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that together, only together with us, would they be made perfect. Oh, I want you to be made pure of heart. I want you to get serious about Jesus. I want you to know what it costs to be a follower of Christ. Are you willing? Will you go all the way with Jesus? Pilgrim's Progress. I'm going to share just a short bit with you from this edited edition by C.J. Lovick. I'm reading it by his written permission. The evangelist is speaking to them. The evangelist said to Christian, I'm glad about the difficulties you faced. Not that you have to mate with the trials, but that you've been victorious that you've been faithful despite your many weaknesses and troubles along the way. I'm glad for your sake and for mine. I have sowed and you have reaped. The day is coming when both he who sowed and he who reaped shall rejoice together. That is, of course, if you endure to the end. For in due season we shall reap if we do not give up. The crown is before you. It is an incorruptible one. So run that you may obtain it. Some who set out for the crown, even after they've gone quite a long way, allow others to come along and snatch their victory from them. So hold fast. Hold fast to what you have, and let no man take it away. You are not yet out of reach of the gunshot of the devil. 
You've not yet resisted unto death in your striving against sin. Let the kingdom be always before you and believe with certainty and consistency the things that are yet unseen. Let nothing that is on this side of eternal life get inside of you. I'm so grieved today. I can barely do this broadcast. For many of you have let the devil get inside of you and you're walking in sin against God and you're believing some lie that when you die, you're going to be okay. You're not going to be okay. And I'm asking, will you sacrifice for the gospel? Will you lay your life down for Jesus and for the word of God? Bunyan writes, above all, take care of your heart. Resist the lusts that tempt you, for your hearts are deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Set your faces like flint. You have all the power of heaven and earth on your side. Oh, I want to read you the exhortation from the book of Peter. I want you to hear this. It's found in 2 Peter. Let me turn to it quickly. Here it is. 2 Peter. The first chapter. I'll begin with verse 3. His divine power, that is dunamis, his divine dynamite, has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind. And he has forgotten he's been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the truth. But that's not for a people who are sinning against God. That's for a righteous people he's speaking these things to. People who have a pure heart before God, who have turned aside from the devil, the flesh, and the world, who walk whole before God. doesn't mean they don't make mistakes. It doesn't even mean mean they never sin, because 1 John tells us if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. If we confess our sins, he will forgive us our sins and he will purge us. He will 
cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is simply no reason for a Christian to continue walking in sin in this world. As you can tell, my heart is deeply stirred today. I want you to resist the devil. I want you to be made pure and clean, baptized by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, dwelling in you, Jesus in you, the hope of glory. I don't want you to be lukewarm. I don't come here and speak so that you can hear a pleasant song. I'm not a songbird. I come and speak that you might enter into the salvation of Jesus Christ and be transformed by his blood and escape the wrath of God. For the day is coming when you will be fixed, either for heaven or hell. This is what must happen as we live. What happens when we live we make a decision to go on the pilgrimage with Jesus Christ. We take up our cross and we follow him. Or we are hell-bound. Again, you don't have to do anything to go to hell. Just live your life, enjoy your pleasure, enjoy your sports, enjoy your gambling, enjoy your smoking, enjoy your clubbing, enjoy your fornication, enjoy the lying and the cheating, Enjoy the uncleanness. Enjoy the pornography. You're headed to hell. Or take up your cross and follow Jesus. Confess your sin before him. Repent of that sin and do what is right in his eyes by his power and by his grace. Be transformed into his likeness. And then come and share with me in the work of the gospel. Share with others in the work of the gospel. Step forward and say, I will lay my life down for the gospel. I have to first be concerned about the work of the gospel. And then secondly, concerned about what I eat and what I wear. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you, for your Father knows that you need him before you ask. They were almost out of the wilderness. The evangelist closes with, My sons, you've heard in the words of the gospel, that you must go through many tribulations before you enter the kingdom of heaven. And also that in every city you enter, bonds and affliction await you. Therefore you cannot expect to travel too long on your pilgrimage without suffering tribulation. You've discovered the truth of these testimonies and the struggles you've already endured. And more will immediately follow. You're almost out of the wilderness and very soon you will see the town you will enter next on your journey, and in that town you will be set upon by enemies who will be determined to kill you and who may succeed. You can be sure that one or both of you must seal his testimony with their blood, so be faithful unto death, and the king will give you a crown of life. The one who dies there, although his death will be unnatural and perhaps 
very painful, will be better off than his companion, not only because he will arrive at the celestial city sooner, but also because he will escape many of the miseries that the others will meet on the rest of their journey. So when you come to the town, and this happens to you, fulfilling what I have related, then remember me and the things I have told you. Conduct yourselves like men. Commit the keeping of your souls to your God as you struggle to do what is right. Remember that he is your faithful creator and savior. And then in Bunyan's story, they enter Vanity Fair. It's decision time. Will you lay your life down for Jesus? Will you take up your cross and follow him? Will you give up your sin and will you confess it openly to Jesus and ask him to come and and forgive you and remove all sin from your heart? And will you stay before him until the work is done and you are given a pure heart? And will you be then baptized by water and be baptized by the Holy Spirit? And will you then, in full decision, be a pilgrim for Jesus Christ in this world and serve him and build his kingdom first before your own kingdom? If you say yes to that, you are my brother and my sister, and we will pilgrimage and journey together. If you say no, you are a stranger and hell-bound until the Holy Spirit can finally get a breakthrough in your life. I love you whether you're a pilgrim or a stranger. I love my enemies. I do good to those who curse me. Which will it be for you? Will you participate with me, sacrificing for the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Or will you be a stranger? Almighty God, I come knowing that your spirit has moved in this broadcast today and that men and women right now are making decisions about their eternal destiny. And it will be so easy for them to just turn the radio off or forget about these words spoken. But Lord, you have heard them and and they have heard them and will hear them resounding in their hearts. And I'm asking Jesus that you would bring true revival to Washington, D.C. and to this nation. I'm asking Jesus that you would move in the hearts of some who can afford to give very large sums of money, fifty, a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars. I'm asking that you would move in the hearts of others who can only give a small, small amount, 
that this broadcast could be on the FM dial and this message could go national. For I know it is time for revival. I ask that you would move in their hearts to pay for the month of December without my having to come and beg. Lord, I ask for the work of the Holy Spirit in the heart of every person listening. It's time for a change. It's time for a decision to get serious about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and not just a cultural Christian, sentimental, putting up their sentimental ornaments, going to their parties, decorating their churches, and not truly following you. I pray, Lord, that today some have been offended sufficiently that they will consider the issues. I pray that some have made decisions. I pray that I could see the result of that decision in their life. Lord, I praise you today. I honor you and I thank you. For you are Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, I've spoken faithfully the word that you've put in my heart. I now ask for your blessing to be upon that word, upon those who have heard. And I pray for your blessing to be upon me for speaking it. I stand by faith that the battle belongs to the Lord. That you are, Holy Spirit, the Lord of the harvest. I pray you go forth now and bring many souls into your kingdom, the kingdom of our Lord Jesus. Lord, thank you. I praise you and I worship you and I honor you. In the name of Jesus, amen. I'd like to hear from you. If you want to be serious about following Jesus, just Google National Prayer Chapel and my address will come up and you're welcome to come on Sunday from 10 till noon. It's You can tell from this broadcast, it's serious following Jesus and we deal in a very serious way one with another with love and compassion and mercy, but we're about real Christianity. We're not about sentimental American shallowness. We want true doctrine we want to stand on the Word of God and be moved and baptized in the mighty power of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to write to me, I'd love to hear from you. You're welcome to write and send your gifts for Jesus, your offerings unto our Lord, your tithes and your offerings. And thank you for each one who has done that and who will do that. Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. Or go to our webpage, 
and we are in the process of building a volunteer is building a brand new beautiful web page for us but you can go there right now and give your offering to help cover December's cost if you would give as you are directed by the Holy Spirit we need some big hitters one of our major donors has had to stop giving his wife who earned more than half of the family's income has just lost her job and his father who was the caretaker of his mother just had a powerful stroke and they're having to move them into a retirement center his mother has Alzheimer's and dad was the caretaker so that's $1,500 a month out of our budget I don't know how we'll make it except as Jesus moves in your heart Go to nationalprayerchapel.com and give as the Holy Spirit calls you. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenlay. I love you. I'm concerned about you. I'm praying for you. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. To keep you from falling and to present you blameless. For the presence of His glory with great joy, with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord.